0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, this episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high-performance, innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from the sunny UK, the big smoke, London. And would you have it, it is actually sunny today. And in this episode, we're going to talk about a tech leader in the housing association space and how he and his team are modernising the way they do business and create customer-centric advances. Let's welcome Rajiv Peters, our guest, who's going to share his leadership story. Welcome, Rajiv. Welcome to CTO Confessions. So, welcome to CTO Confessions, Rajiv. It's great to have you on board. It's great to be here. Cool. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Who are you and what do you do, sir?
1: Oh, so I'm uh, Rajiv Peter. I'm uh, the Director of Digital Technology at Notting Hill Genesis. Um, So what that means is that I'm responsible for architecture, for the strategy, technology strategy, uh, and for the engineering piece around innovation and also on some of the bespoke technologies that we have built in-house in Nottingham Genesis that is being used by pretty much all of the frontline staff and our customers that choose to uh, do their business online.
0: You kind of arrived at this kind of company, uh, Notting Hill Genesis. Um, So what what does Notting Hill Genesis do then? What's the technology thing that you're solving there?
1: So what we are trying to do is to do quite a lot of um, automation. And also in terms of the user experience, we're trying to change it so that our colleagues can concentrate more on their jobs than doing routine things and also having uh, information available to them yeah. uh, very easily regardless of where they are. And that is the same for our customers too. So it's a, it's a different channel that we are building. Yeah. Um, like I said, a lot of that is around automation and intelligence. And we have... We started about two years ago, and uh, uh, we put in this uh, new platform called Workwise, which is built using mostly serverless technology, uh, and in dotnet Core and so on, but with a, with a top layer uh, built using React. And that is a really nice user interface. So people, um, for example, colleagues, usually they have to go through a few systems understand those systems how they work mm-hmm. attach themselves to those systems using this new user experience yeah i, I can imagine the, um,
0: the savings by this automation and the chatter you know the kind of communications a lot smoother uh people out just getting the information that they need as and when it happens you know so i, I imagine that um from your organization, which is, um, you know, obviously housing um, and um, it's, it's kind of created some real big savings in terms of your operations, you know, cost of business as usual.
1: Yeah. I mean, the cost um, as we um, get bigger and we acquire or build more properties, what we want to do is to um, use automation um, to deliver services Mm. and Whatever profit we make as a result of those savings goes back into building more homes for people that need those homes, those low-income families that need those homes. So that is the whole principle behind it. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, having a better experience is is good uh, in that you know it reduces stress and all that kind of stuff. Um, and also, the other part of this is that if you automate things if uh, doing that in itself will mean that the quality of your information would be much better because there's no one in the middle manipulating figures uh you know getting these spreadsheets together and you know using their own intelligence to uh, make sure that those that data is correct yes. um, you know none of that ex- you know would exist so if something is wrong it will show up and when it does show up what i find is that that gets fixed Brilliant. Um, so, you know, you know, there's a lot of um, you know, news and articles around um data-driven decision making. And you know, automation provides that efficiency, but also one of the byproducts is that you would get better quality of data.
0: Yeah, I like it. And with this data, I imagine so just to get give the audience an idea of the kind of size of the portfolio that you have, if you're okay to kind of share that. Um I mean, what what
1: are we looking at?
0: Um, Hundreds of properties, or?
1: So we have uh, around sixty-five thousand properties. Wow. uh, In and around London, mainly, and we have about one hundred and seventy thousand customers, and I think our turnover is around five hundred and fifty million a year, and I think our our total asset is around twenty-two billion, something like that.
0: Brilliant. So so just to give the the idea was to give the audience an idea of your operation. I mean, it's a pretty big operation with lots of data flowing around. So in terms of that pool of data, or maybe even oceans of data, you know, um, uh, the Pacific Ocean of data in your case, what term um, are you using? Uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning or other kind of processes to kind of mine that data for things that
1: you need? We are not there yet. So this is what we the next phase of what we need to do. Uh, is trying to bring. So to do that, I mean, artificial intelligence, I I know it's something that is uh, become very popular um, in the last maybe eight years, but artificial intelligence existed even before this. The problem was, how do you connect to this to receive the data? How do you consolidate that data? How do you clean up this data? Uh, And how do you make this more accessible to people that need the data? Uh, for example, data scientists. Mm. So, you know, those are the things that we're missing, but we are just in the start of that journey around how do we uh, do more with that data? And I think we could do a lot more. We could target, for example, in sales, you know, who who are we, you know, what kind of organization are we, what kind of customers are we uh, trying to uh, What I'm trying to do is to get into that space early on. It's not really early, but for a sector, it's exactly. early, um, so that we are ready. Uh, to receive that kind of information,
0: in terms of um, you know your organisation and your leadership, uh, I'm kind of curious as to how you create your kind of teams and high performing teams. Even, what's your kind of leadership style?
1: So my leadership style is uh, pretty relaxed. I'd say cool. Um, I would leave people to do what they need to do. I don't interfere too much, um, but I would go in once in a while and dive in quite deep into mm-hmm. subject subjects, right? So, and that's my way of helping and giving direction uh, from a from a technology point of view. So, in terms of
0: obviously the, we've had the kind of COVID thing kind of kick off. This is a kind of common subject for a lot of companies out there. Well, it, it is the, the subject. Um, how have you kind of dealt with uh, having your teams remote? Are they are they still
1: remote and and working? so that was pretty easy for my team because my team are used to um, having people work remotely Um, at at the moment we have got two separate teams working uh, in two different locations in india uh, alongside my own in-house team as well as contractors so for tech companies and teams like mine uh, it's not a big deal Um, they're techies they like yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, working from from any location really. I mean, it's not really a problem. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest problem is not so much working from home; it is being stuck at home. Right? It's not just about work. It's you know, even after work, nobody can go anywhere, and that is actually the problem.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, uh, and that's what what is actually uh, in terms of people's motivation and people's. Uh, in a mental health that is what's taking the toll yeah uh, the transition was pretty easy and actually I'd say that because of the things that we had done even previous to that for you know not just my team but the entire company uh, you know we rolled out laptops um, like I said we have got this new technology that is delivered over a browser so you don't need to uh, be logged in we had VPN things like that so it was actually pretty primed to work remotely we kind of Uh, Our colleagues were really brilliant uh, across the organization Mm. at taking the challenge Mm. and making it work. Um, Obviously, some of those things um, were more challenging than others. So um, that's when I introduced the low-code technologies, uh, in particular, the Power Platform, uh, that could deliver... What back office, especially back office processes, uh, people need very quickly mm-hmm. and very well. So initially when this happened, or actually before the closed um shutdown, a week before, uh, we figured actually this might happen. And everybody was uh, trying to create uh, Excel spreadsheets. And I and I thought, oh no, I hate Excel, <laughs> <and> Excel spreadsheets, <laughs> yeah. sort of thing. Um so let you know, stop, stop doing that. Let me give me a week and let me try doing something, right? So you know, these, these technologies are brilliant and uh, we, we have really used, and that's one example, but we have, we, we've had other examples of where we have used those technologies really well. And mm-hmm. I'm now looking at building a team around productivity using those uh, technologies. And I would say about 6% in the future, in about 2-3 years, 6% of technologies would be used using these low-code or no-code technologies. And some of the work that we would do in technology departments will be done by people outside the department. These are uh, people that are not technologists, uh, citizen developers, we call them. Um, <laughs> they will be very active in, in about two, three years uh, using these technologies.
0: Yeah, I like that. I love the idea of no code kind of taking the complexity up so people can focus on the uh, problem domain as opposed to the kind of geeky domain. You know, it's kind of uh, enabling a lot more people to get creative. We spoke before around providing greater transparency to your organization, uh, you know, around where the technology strategy is going and the problems you're solving. Um, I I mean, is that something that you've kind of learned through trial and error, or is it something that you
1: got advised? Uh, a part of technology is, you know, it's it's it's, it's changing. Technology is uh, getting really complicated. That's why you need leaders um, now in in technology teams that understand technologies in depth in that they need to have hands-on experience. And the analogy that I have is, uh, you know, if you go to a Play Store, you, you know, and you search for anything, you get like a million results and probably like 10 of them actually do what you want. It's pretty similar. So if you don't know, uh, if you don't have like hands-on experience, it's very difficult to do that. But on the other side, technologies need to be uh, very aware of what the business uh, is trying to do and how the technology is helping the business. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we have got a really good program team and we have been trying to evolve and mature how we engage with the business over the last two years, or even maybe before that. Um, and one of the things that we are trying to do is to become more like a consultancy. So we have got this uh, new way where we have put up a form, a Microsoft form called the Great Ideas. And anyone in the business can, can fill up the form and say, this is a great idea that I have, right? <laughs> and then every two weeks, we look at all of the great ideas from the business. And, uh, you know, um, the, the senior team uh, would uh, look at it and figure out whether that is actually within the general um, direction from executive board. Uh, and if it's got uh, a, a, you know, a good uh, technology solution, uh, we would then go and do what we call a very basic design in terms of this is how it can work. And then you can go back you know, through a process and then eventually get done. So uh, it is a lot more engineering, uh, engaging than it used to be in the in, in the past. Um, but also the other side is we are looking at all of the um, business uh, business, uh, business plans from the several business that we have, looking at how we can help using technology or process, better processes to help deliver those business plans to those businesses, right? Yes. So we actually uh, proactively engage with those plans and making sure that what we do is actually delivering what they want to get done. Right. Yeah. So we not waiting for them to come to us. We are actually going and practically figuring out these other things that we we could do for you to achieve what to, your goal is. Wow. And then we are going to those business <coughs> uh, senior teams uh, and then talking to them, asking them continually around, what are your plans? How can we help more? Um, but at the same time, on the other side, we are also, from my side, I am trying to make technology much as, and uh, transparent and as um, uh, mm-hmm. consumable as possible. So uh, I, um, also because I don't like writing a lot of words, I communicate I, 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 more through pictures. So, I, you know, my strategy is about two pages long. That's it, uh, I mean, two really big, uh, big pages, but, uh, uh, you know, built on, you know, starting from using the segment principle, starting from what does your CEO want? What is your strategy? Uh, what what, what do you think business themes and then from there setting a mission for the department and then working out what the target architecture should be what is the how are going to deliver it all through infographics and so on yes and then taking it to the business and it's one document that I showed to my technical guides as well as to the rest of the business so there's no you know hopefully you know not not much is lost in translation so that's another the other way I'm trying to make it more transparent and interesting for the rest of the business I love that.
0: And this kind of touches on um, a little bit of your history, you know, because uh, like myself, I, I think you've, uh, you know, dyslexia has, has kind of played a part in your kind of journey. Uh, and um, what I find fascinating about dyslexic people is, is that they have to adapt. The ones that want to adapt will adapt and they come up with uh, techniques to, to to maybe function as well, if not better. Um, so is this kind of infographic uh, kind of approach a, a solution to to your challenges around um reading and writing uh you know yeah
1: i mean i uh, so yes i've got a i've got a, quite a significant problem in reading and writing uh it's not that i can do it it's just very slow i'm very slow so i you know if i if i am speaking listening to you and i start writing what you're saying i would just completely miss out you know the next 15 minutes because i'm trying to write down what you're <laughs> <laughs> what you're saying uh and I I am very literally I literally will write. So I can't like shorten it because that takes more processing. So um um so you know, graphics and you know that kind of method is just natural for me. Uh, that's the way I visualize things. I I'm very you know, even in my brain, I'm, I'm trying to visualize how that and that has another impact. So most of uh I mean obviously this actually yeah, there are different types, but uh, a, lot, a lot of us um do simplify so we are trying to simplify very complex things and that is quite good in a way because if you're trying to explain something to someone else that is a really complicated thing because we're already used to simplifying it's much more natural for us
0: it's real isn't it it's kind of it's a thing that you've done there um and yeah so i, I always find it fascinating because like like yourself i struggle with reading and writing and uh and coping and i've created kind of techniques to overcome them and, and and again like yourself um it's not about i can't do it it's just the speed it just takes a, a lot more effort you know and and then an interesting outcomes from that so if there's any kind of dyslexic people out there i guess this is inspiration to you it's just find what works for you and um and there will be a silver line to it you know there's uh so for example with my writing i'm not very good at writing but when i, do write, I I kind of go over and over and over again what comes out is if i may say so myself pretty good you know um so it's wonderful to hear your story around that how how that's become um something that really helps your teams and it's a pity we can't show the infographic around your kind of company's vision for your because uh, when i saw that uh you know describing it to the audience it was very clear it was very uh, colorful very engaging and uh clarifying it, there was clarity you know and in the short time that we saw what we saw so um yeah, I think I think that's that's a really good uh, point to make for leadership. So um, as we're coming towards the end of our time together, uh, sadly, um, I'm gonna pretend to be a tech genie, okay and I'm gonna grant your wish. What would be what would be your wish for your teams, for your company, or your kind of leadership?
1: Uh, my wish uh, would be we have got, massive plans for the next three years. We just did a business change plan. Uh, if I if we could get 80% of that, <laughs> I'd be a really <laughs> happy man. Uh, because they are very challenging um things to do, but also very exciting things to do. Uh, but personally from a from a uh you know from where I'm sitting, uh people, if I can get the right people um in, in the in the in the roads that I want them to uh, which has been the challenge uh, over the last two, three years. I, I'd be really, really be smiling Brilliant. very broadly.
0: <laughs> yeah, Let, Let's see if we can make that come true for you, sir. <laughs> well, thank you for your time, Rajiv. It's been great speaking to you and really wonderful kind of tips, especially around dyslexia. I, I loved your story there and the success you've created out of it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Wow. Thank you, Rajiv, And in particular, thank you for your honesty about dyslexia. I think it's really important that we talk about these things more often. Like you, have I've had similar challenges and I just worked my way through them with inventive strategies and adapted my leadership and self-leadership. I think it defined me, in fact, and it made me think differently. It's great to see Rajiv spearheading the technological advances for his organisation. It looks like he's got big plans for the housing arena. Anyhow. My key takeaways for the conversation with Rajiv were as follows. Firstly, what a tech leader does in the housing association space, especially for a large housing association. seems like a very complex, dynamic environment with lots of moving parts. My second key takeaway is the importance of getting your big data ready, preparing the ground so that the data you're using is a true reflection of the truth and it's ready to use. Thirdly and finally, again, as I've mentioned, Dyslexia. I loved how Rajiv has kind of adapted and created a very visual way of leading. We didn't see it on the podcast, but he had this great infographic outlining what his intentions were around the technology, the kind of vision, where are we going in the kind of long-term and in the short-term. I thought that was brilliant. So thank you again, Rajiv. Good luck with your continuing tech journey. I look forward to speaking to you again about the success that Notting Hill Genesis is creating in its technological development. Thank you.